fight. Three, two, one. Welcome to Arcade Attack. <laughs> A retro gaming podcast for up to four players. Sonic Boom! Hello listeners and welcome back to the latest Arcade Attack podcast. I've got another amazing guest on today's show, someone we've had on as a text interview in the past, Mario Gonzalez. He was the lead producer, I believe, he can correct me if I'm wrong with that title, on Action 52, one of the most infamous, amazing games ever made for the, for the NES. And it's a great story. And our text interview, which we'll put in the show notes, is still popular to this day. Uh, people still find it. They're, the Action 52 story is amazing. And uh, Mario, it's brilliant to finally get you on the podcast. We, it's, we've had a few requests. A few of our listeners have said we want Mario on here. To, we want to hear more about the Action 52 story. So, yeah, here, thank you so much for joining me. It's great to be with you, Adrian. I appreciate it. The opportunity to tell the story whenever, you know, as much as I can. It is, a, it is an amazing story, and the bulk of the interview will be about Action 52. But let's start right at the beginning. Uh, before we talk about how you got involved in this, did, were you always a fan of video games growing up? And do you remember some of your favorite consoles and games uh, in your youth? Yeah, I mean, I was there at the at the birth of the Atari and the home console. Um, I even remember as far back as the Pong, the, uh, the just that one simple one game system. Um, but yeah, I got into it with the Atari. Uh, me and my best friend. Uh, we're big fans, and uh, we would always go to each other's house to play uh, uh, different games, Combat and uh, Pitfall, and all the Activision titles were great. Um, Zelda was the one game, once the NES came out, and I got into Zelda and Mario Brothers and things like that, but Zelda was the one that really, uh, you know, showed me, like, the potential in, in terms of the vast adventure and uh, storytelling. And uh, so, I mean, yeah, I've, I've always been into that. Uh, right after the Atari console, I, I went into the Atari computer. Mm. Uh, it was the Atari 400. Uh, and I got the basic cartridge. So I immediately I wanted to, uh, to create video games. Actually, one of, the, one of the video games I was working on at the time, you may be familiar with Danger Mouse. Yes, yes. It is a British cartoon, isn't it? Yes, and I was a big fan of Danger oh, Mouse. Nice. We're and so of I, course. Yeah. I tried to... <laughs> To, to do a game, that was one of my first attempts at uh, making a video game for Danger Mouse on the Atari 400. Oh, wow. So I thought that you, that would ring with you guys knowing that it was yeah. a British cartoon, but it was also popular here in the States. Oh, is it? Yeah. It was at the time. I mean, I remember it. So, I mean, from such a long time ago, it's still, uh, you know, I can still remember the, uh, the nice. cartoon, the fascination with that game. But yeah, I was always into that. I mean, I was never too big of a programmer. I was more of a designer, uh, the coding. I never really got into until, uh, you know, much later in, in my life. So I was more of a designer in terms of designing characters, story, and uh, and the basis of the, the, you know, the functionality of the game itself. So the overall design of the games was more where, you know, was my forte. Yeah. Uh, so I had friends, and those are the guys that I brought in for the Action 52 that were also, and Albert was really the big programmer. And because uh, uh. he, he was... He would do a lot of strategy games, a lot of these uh, uh, sort of, uh, sit, you know, simulation uh, city type games, and he would program them. So I knew I could, that he would be an asset if, you know, once I heard 
that this was going to be an opportunity for us to bring them on board as a as the lead programmer for that. That's amazing. So, so before you started work on Action Fifty Two, before you got the opportunity, did you have any fully licensed games or release games you worked on? How did you end up in the video game industry? No, it was purely hobby. It was purely it was hobby. hobby, right? Yeah, it was purely hobby. And uh, uh, besides uh, friends and family, that was the only people that were actually playing any of the games that I was uh, working on at the time. So, it, you know, I knew at the time it was a different, you know industry back then because it was it was very new uh there was nothing in terms of uh actual education if you wanted to uh, major in any type of uh, video game uh development type of career there was nothing there and that was one of my first turnoffs uh when i went to college and uh i looked for something along those lines there was nothing available so when i did try to take some programming classes it was more like it looked like I was going to be designing software for like banks and accounting and, and this kind. And that was, you know, completely the opposite of what I wanted to do was to develop my uh, my very creative side, you know, and storytelling and, and, and writing and all that. So it just turned me off. And I ended up actually going into music and video production um, oh. because, you know, I was uh, big on music at the time. I, back then, uh, I was do I had a record that came out. Uh, it was the early 90s. We had a small group called Horizon. Wow. Uh, yeah, and uh, we had uh, the, the two songs. The A side was uh, Is This Reality? And the B side was uh, No More Lies. And you can find them on YouTube. <laughs> they have them on YouTube. So, but we, were, you was, the, were you the singer or what, what was your No, no, no. I was, uh, I was the composer and uh, keyboard. We were basically two. Me and my, my best friend were the, uh, the musicians. And we had the one... He sang, and we also had a girl that uh, was part of the group that sang as well. It was one of those back Miami freestyle, nice kind of like small groups. Uh, most we got, I think we ended up on the charts in Canada, but that was about it. That's that's still cool. <laughs> that is still cool. What was the band called? If you don't mind me asking. Horizon. Horizon. Oh, gotcha. Horizon. Wow. Horizon. Are yeah. you thinking of comeback tour? Is that you thinking? <laughs> no, <laughs> no. I continue right now. I'm doing much more work in music than I am with video games. But uh, yeah, I stay, I stay, you know, more into composing. And that's, uh, I've continued to do more on the side than anything else. Oh, brilliant. We'll talk a lot more about what you're currently up to these days. I know I'm really interested, but yeah. Wow, that's really cool. So you're definitely a creative person. You're definitely involved in the, the creative areas of, of the industry. And, yes. and, but you weren't originally thinking that you maybe were going to work in the video game industry. Is that fair? It wasn't really a big ambition. No, earlier. I mean, at the time, I knew that if I wanted to work in that industry, it would have to be something like moving to Los Angeles, moving to Silicon Valley, moving somewhere where that was the, the you know, I knew that that would be my only opportunity to ever uh, actually work in the field. But that was, you know, of course, impossible at my age with, uh, you know, my family living down here and so forth. There was no way for me just to pick up and, and take off to California, at least oh, not yeah. the, the believable plans that I think, thought I could do so. Where, where were you living at the time? Sorry. Down in Miami, Miami, Florida. Miami, gotcha, gotcha. Ah, fair dues. Um, I'd love to know how how did you get approached by Vince Perry, or did you approach him? How did you hear about this well, amazing more, project? I think it was more of of, of me approaching him. Yeah. Uh, because I was working, I told you I got I was delving into the music field, so I, I ultimately be, became a sound engineer. And so there was a small studio down there in Miami that uh, needed an engineer, so I was working for them. Um, just, uh, you know, recording different artists that would come in and, 
and getting paid very little, about $5 an hour, just, you know. Um, and so, but it turns out that this was a, in the office building. Vince would, would use the office to meet uh, with uh, clients and all types of things because he was, he was very entrepreneurship kind of minded and was always uh, working on different business deals. Um, so one day he was there, president, I heard, overheard him talking with the owner of the studio about how his kid had bought this flea market uh, cartridge that was just a pirated cartridge with 52 games on it. But of course, these were all copies of, of actual licensed products. But he said that the neighborhood was going crazy about this, you know, this cartridge. It was, uh, it was, you know, amazing how, you know, everybody loved having all these games in one. You know, back then it was like $30, $40 for one game. Yeah, so to, to buy this pirated copy, you know, it's like these guys hit, thought they had hit the gold mine. But Vince, being who he is, you know, being very uh, entrepreneurial minded, he said, well, you know, I could I could maybe I could take this technology of this cartridge that can hold so many games and just create 52 original games, you know. Yeah. So I heard, you know, this discussion with, with the owner of the studio and I was like, wait a second. You know, I've got some experience in game design and I've got some friends who program and maybe do computer art. You know, maybe we can we can pull this off for you. Uh, you know, he was interested. He said, well, that sounds good. Let's uh, so put together a, a demo for me. See what you guys can do. So I called these guys up. Uh, you know, they were, of course, they were skeptical at the beginning. Like, what do you mean <laughs> programming for Nintendo? What are you, what are you talking about? Yeah. So yeah, I called them up. I said, "Look, let's let's come together and uh, let's do a demo. Let's let's make a game. Show show Vince what we can do." So what we decided to do was just do a, a clone of uh, of a Tetris game, and uh, you know made it a little bit more more complicated. But we we did this on an Amiga computer. Mm. Yep. So the Amiga at the time was uh, it was a powerful machine. It was great yeah. for great for sound for graphics. I mean, you name it. This it was way ahead of its time. I think. And uh, and so we got to work on that, and we really did a really nice job. And Vince was very impressed, and uh, he actually ended up using that to show investors wow, and yeah. to try to get investors into the project. Now, you know, at that time, I, I don't know if even Vince knew what he was doing, but on an NES, there was no way you were, you were going to get the graphics and sound uh, that you were going to get out of an Amiga. Yes, of course. But most people that weren't into computers or into this, uh, this video game industry wouldn't know that at the time. So, but it was very attractive to the, uh, to the investors to see this, you know, emotion and his pitch about having the 52 games, you know, uh, to me, I mean, even right now, if you think about it, it sounds like a great idea. It, it really does. And I think Vince is a clever guy. Obviously, I think you can correct me if I'm wrong, but he didn't know too much about the video game industry. Right. The, exactly. But the idea they, itself was actually pretty ahead of its time, really. Yeah, I mean, to take a, a product that is illegal and say, you know, I can turn this into an actual legal product was, I think, was a was a really good idea. It was he had a noble cause there, you know, in terms of what he wanted to do. Um, but it was like, like you said, the lack of experience. And if you don't know anything about the video game industry, it's, it's hard and you're going to make a lot of mistakes, especially on your first endeavor. Did you get along with Vince? Because he, he seems like a, quite a mysterious character. Do, I'd like to understand a bit more of his personality. I know, I know he sadly passed away now, but how, how do you look back at his business skills and his personality? Was he a good person to work with, do you think, back then? Yeah, he was, you know, like any uh, successful person, you know, these guys can be very, uh, very serious, you know. Um, 
never had a problem with him in terms of, you know, he was he was great to work with and, and he was a great uh, motivator and leader. Um, it, it's just, you know, he was very intense. That's that's basically it. So, I mean, if there's any complaints about him, it was just that his intensity when it came to to his his business. It, it, it was, you know, real and it was sometimes a, a little hard to to get along with, you know, abrasive in, in ways. But yeah. it's just what comes with the territory when you're really running a business is what you got to do. Yeah, no, fair enough, fair enough. Um, I'd love to know, because obviously you spoke about your friends. Could, could you go in a bit more detail about how you, Mario, and, and the rest of your team, who, who they were and how you sort of delegated the roles and how you basically thought, we, how can we make 52 games? and uh, how, how is it all dished out? Asking. Yeah, well, I mean, at the beginning, we knew about the 52 games. And keep in mind, we didn't know we were going to be given such a short period of time of development. That part, we we didn't know uh, what our time limit was going to be. But um, knowing Albert and, and Javier for some years at that time, from it was the just basically from school or from or from uh, social events. That's basically how I knew these guys. But we had worked on different things. I had worked with music uh, with Javier. I know he was big time into graphics. And with Albert, like I said, uh, I enjoyed playing some of the games he was designing in terms of strategy games and things like that. He wasn't big on uh, on graphics or or type of arcadey type of games, but I knew his skill with, with with programming. So I had good relationships with both of them, and uh, brought them together. And and you know, I said, you know, we can do this. You know, you know, this is going to be a great opportunity for us. You know, let's, you know, we should try our best and uh, and, and see what we can do. Now I I had to be the first one to sit down because uh, the design and the the creative side of it had to come first. Yes. So, you know, I was the first one to sit down really and, and start putting together uh, character names and scenarios and stories. And, and you know, it's quite a, quite a load to have to come up with 52 different ones at, in one shot. But, um, but, you know, I was pretty happy with what I was able to create, you know, all these uh, fantastic characters and things that could have turned out a lot better if the games were actually good, you know, who knows maybe <laughs> would have been iconic characters at, at it would have taken a different, uh, different turn. But how? What inspired you to think of all these different characters? I mean, that is a massive. That is a huge amount of pressure on one person's shoulders. Were you just getting influences from everywhere, or were you just stuff you thought about in the past? Yeah, I mean, it was all that. It was. Uh, remember, it was uh, probably how was I at the time? It was maybe in my twenties. So maybe I had been playing video games for maybe ten years by that time already. So bringing all that experience with the different video games uh also i did a lot of creative writing at the time and in a lot of reading and so you know and you know the experience with what i was already seeing what already existed in nintendo as it is so bringing all that and just just sitting down and just uh starting to hash these out now some of them a lot were a lot more shallow in terms of story development than than the other ones but the the core fact was there you know just to get started you had uh, some characters, some character names, some themes, yeah. uh, and some scenarios that would probably, you know, come out with some good uh, concepts or game designs to maybe we could implement real quick. You know, we could change as we went along, did some testing and so forth. But to, to start off, I just had to sit down and, and, and hash it out just like yeah. very fast, just put down a lot of uh, a lot of information at one time. So, But it was good. I mean, this that kind of stuff I enjoy doing, you know, so yeah. I can't complain about that. 
did you purposely try and think of maybe 10 puzzle games or five platforms? How, how did you go about the different genres or were you just thinking? Well, the, when, uh, when we found out that we were going to get, Vince is going to fly us out. Remember, we, we were programming on an Amiga, but we now needed to program for NES. So Vince, I guess he started making calls and he, I think the company was uh, now, before I couldn't even remember, but now I think it's been said that it was Sculptured Software. Um, it was in Utah that he contacted them, and they, uh, I guess, uh, agreed to give us some training in in using the uh, the dev kits, yeah, uh, and the and the and, you know on how to how to design for for the NES. So he flew us out to Utah. It was about a week a week worth of training that we got up there, and at that point, once the once it, the scope of fifty two games was starting to kind of hit us, you know, okay, wait, it's fifty two games. This is when we said, well. We're going to have to do maybe a couple of engines of different type of games and yeah. then kind of skin them and, and uh, change them as best as we can in the, you know, to, to me. So, yeah, we had, we had a, okay, we have a shooter, uh, we have a platformer, um, maybe we have a side scroller, maybe we have a vertical scroller, these yeah. kind of things all, you know, we try to say, okay, how, how many engines can we design and then make, basically then create the games accordingly. So that's when it, that's when the actual skeleton of it started to fall together was after that one week of training that we received in uh, in Salt Lake City, Utah. That must be a, a weird time. <laughs> Did, yeah. Do you? Yeah, I mean, we you... flew out there. We flew out there, and uh, it was winter. I mean, it was uh, first time I think I've seen snow. And uh, and at the time it was amazing because at the time I think they were actually uh, working on the Empire Strikes Back. For the for the NES, I believe it was, or or it may have been for the Super NES. I'm not sure, but I just seeing them working on a Star Wars project and being like, oh, we're, we're here. See, that was the first feeling of actually we're in the industry. You know, That's we're cool. now in the middle of the video game development industry. So it was, you know, we was we were in, in just uh, completely elated to be doing all these things. And just uh, amazing. It was an amazing time. I bet. It. Did you tell those fellow programmers what you were? Uh, plan to do did they were they a bit shocked or did you just keep it very quiet what your plans no were? this was all discussion with them constantly what once they were brought in and we were very you know always communicating about yeah. what to do and and you know taking you know, ideas from each other in terms of which way uh to take certain things but it wasn't after we got back from that trip that that's when i guess uh, vince decided to drop some contracts and uh, do some work for higher contracts and uh, and gave us the time limit Right. Yeah, I was going to ask about that. Yeah, and that's that's when it that's when I think the reality of it and and the work side of it actually hit you. You know. Yeah. Well, <laughs> what, fun... what actually happened? Because I love to know the kind of mood in the camp, like before and during, like Vince. I don't want to say sticking his fingers in because it's it is his project after it was his idea, wasn't it? But what what was the mood? Did it go up and down often? And how how much time were you given exactly? Do you remember? I don't know uh, why it was three months that, that that I think that was it. That was the time. Um, I actually may have copies of the contract uh, laying around. Um, but, yeah, the the three-month time on the contract was very specific. So, And I think it was him knowing that, you know, you have to understand his point of view, too. I, I get it. He's dealing with three very young and experienced guys that are – and that he's – gonna put all his eggs in one basket is you know counting on us to develop these games in a certain period of time 
so, you know, I could imagine he's like a little uh, wary about, you know, are these guys just going to just, you know, flake out on us and just stop doing it and not, not come through with it, you know? So, so I guess he wanted to put as much concrete and pressure on us in that contract as possible. I think the contract also just to get on the financial side was offering us that we were going to give us like 500 bucks up front. So we got, and it was supposed to be $500 per game uh, once it's sold a certain amount. Right. Okay. It wasn't that much, but uh, for us that we were very young guys, maybe making five or $6 an hour was what we were making at the time. You know, it, it seemed like a quite a bit of money and, and, and possibility too for the amount it could sell and so forth. I mean, it's a, it's still a great opportunity. I imagine were you always almost pinching yourself that you were given such a big responsibility, or were you? I suppose you were you, you were young and like you know, let's go for it. Kind of actually, is that fair? Yeah, yeah. I, I was. Uh, I didn't know as much as I know now. So I mean, I didn't know really. I had no clue. What am I getting myself into? That kind of mentality wasn't there. It was just. It was just. I was trying to have as much fun as possible doing what I love yeah. doing, and uh, and getting these guys to to all you know cooperate now we started getting into the uh, once we started getting into the actual programming and the, and the design that we actually moved in pretty much into the studio to work we weren't you know at no point were we ever working from home or anything like that yeah. um then it became you know a, a really rigorous thing because we were spending a lot of hours there you know to the wee hours of the night you know just surviving on donuts and coffee <laughs> and just like trying to really do as much as we could in, in as little time as possible. So, yeah, it became, you know, at that point it was like the pressure was there. Yeah. Uh, but, but again, I didn't still didn't quite see the, like I didn't see uh, Vince's point of view because he's dealing with investors. I don't know what's going on at all on the business side of this, but I'm sure that that was much more uh, pressure. And, you know, when you're dealing with money and you're dealing with other people's money. And so luckily I had, complete disconnect from that yeah 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 i didn't i didn't have i didn't know any any idea what was going on behind the scenes at the time oh fair enough um i've got to ask because when you say the words action 52 the next thing that comes into my mind is cheetah men so i would love to know how that game came about that idea was it your idea initially was it vince's idea because there's huge rumors about how vince wanted to make cheetah men like the next uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I love if you can sort of fill in a few gaps. Mary. Oh, yeah. What happened with the Cheetah Man was, uh, well, my original idea with the 52 games was to have game 52 be the action game master. So this was supposed to be a game where you basically fought all the main villains of all the other 51 games. So, I mean, I'll, everybody approved of this. Everybody liked the idea. So this is what we were going for. Uh, at that time, they heard he had already hired. I think somebody was working on the the box art and the cartridge art. Yep. So if you look at that, you'll see there's no sign of Cheetah Man anywhere on the yeah. box art or on the cartridge art. And you would say, well, that's like the main characters of the video game. And it's because up to that moment, we were action. The, the action game master was supposed to be the the, the main theme of the the cartridge. Um. One thing to my surprise, which I didn't know, was that the the artist actually used my likeness in the picture of the boy that's on the controller. In, oh, on really? The so that that supposedly that's me on the on the cup. Wow! So I was like, that was that was great, but I didn't even know that that was being done at the time. <laughs> so, anyways, uh, remember we have to we're dealing with 
Vince that has a probably an eight to ten year old son at the time. Yes, yeah. And that's how he comes across this whole fifty-two game cartridge thing. So at the time, also something very popular was the, the mutant teenage uh, Ninja Turtles, and so this was a big deal. Um, so somewhere along the maybe the first uh, month of development, Vince says, you know, we need something like that in the cartridge. You know. Now, the idea of the Cheetah Man itself, I believe, was the artist that was, you know, I guess he had the artist come up with something. Yeah. Uh, and then I went ahead and further developed it. You'll see a lot of uh, strange, even some of the prototypes of the cards that still say um, Action Game Master on the Game 52, uh, because this was like already uh, maybe even halfway into the project. Um, but yeah, I, I agreed with the, you know, I, I thought it was a great idea. And and I did as much as I could at that point to help develop it, you know, further out. And of course, the Cheetah Man music is what is my best accomplishment, really. Yeah, yeah the music's great. What, what I get the most compliments for, because everybody agrees that the games were terrible, but they always compliment the music. So in a way, you know, I am, uh, you know, just feel great about that part of it. Yeah, I mean, Cheetah Men is. Are you a fan of the Cheetah Men, or do you think it kind of overshadowed Action Fifty Two a little bit? Or are you still happy that it, it's part of that whole story? No, it's it's definitely part of the story, and uh, and I think it's it more than anything, it's uh, what uh, is synonymous with the game cartridge itself now. Yeah, I don't think a lot of the other uh, characters or anything like that, you know, took on such a such a big. Uh, you know, role in the game and and it's still uh, alive and well today. You know, like Bubblegum Rosie and yeah, uh, yeah. a lot of these uh, other characters that I created. Um, so yeah, it was definitely it was definitely good to, to include them in there. Uh, his focus may have have gone at that point though. That may have affected the development of the cartoon. The fact that he became so enamored with the Cheetahman story that yeah. his focus may have gone away from the actual cartridge and just started spreading out into more. Uh, you know, going off into cartoons and toys and you know at that point you know i don't know what happened to him but that's what i believe that's the point where he started losing focus on the actual uh video game aspect of this whole endeavor yeah and you've obviously i'm sure you've seen the advert the cheetah men at the famous advert on youtube it's it's absolutely incredible it's good animation isn't it but yeah it did seem to be yeah, I uh, uploaded that. That was my upload. Oh, excellent. Thank you. I mean, it's a brilliant. I mean, I'll get that. Get, must get loads of hits still today. I think I, after all that, I never had a cartridge. I never ended up with anything from the Cheetah Man, but I had the only copy of that commercial I that never aired. So I said, oh. I think it was back in 2006 when I said, you know, let me see what happens if I upload this <laughs> to YouTube. <laughs> and then, man, it was just, I was bombarded with with comments that who are you and is this real how did you get your hands on this so it was an incredible thing that just blew up from me posting that that commercial that's great i mean um, you could yeah for us nice to be married to do that and it still gets I, I don't how many views has the video got now i don't know if you know top of your head it's about three hundred thousand. that's great so i mean that's so much i think the biggest uh generator of views was uh the angry video game nerds yes uh, review oh. <laughs> I was going to ask you about that a bit later. I mean, let's talk about that now. Obviously, oh, yeah. but he's into the millions of views there. He, you've obviously you've obviously seen the episode. Was he? He was a bit. He was taking the mick a little bit, wasn't he? But do you think it's a fair review in a, a tongue-in-cheek way, at least? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of the things he brings up it would have been things that if I would have been there at the end of the uh, of the cycle, because I remember I wasn't there right at the end, and I, I didn't get to see the final product. 
and I would have had more of a of a voice in maybe uh, uh, correcting a lot of these issues. So of course, yeah, all those things that he mentions are dead on, and yet the way he he the way he does it, of course, with the, yeah. as I he does, it makes it funny. <laughs> but yeah, he's, he's absolutely right about everything that he that he criticizes on the cartridge, definitely. Uh, fair enough. Actually, before we go a bit ahead, I want to ask you actually. Um, do you have any other favorite games on the cartridge? But you mentioned Bubblegum Rosie. What other games on Action Fifty are you most proud of overall? I like the uh, also besides that one is the Haunted Hills of Wentworth. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of a Castlevania kind of vibe. I've played that. It's, it's not bad actually, is it? That game. Yeah. yeah, you know, one of the things looking back is uh, is you can see that there wasn't a lot of uh, female protagonists back in the NES days, and and I put in. You know, uh, quite a few in there, so it was actually pretty good back back in the day. You know, no, I didn't think too much about it at the time. But yeah. I thought it was great. You know that um, I have Bubblegum Rosie, I have uh, the character in uh, the Haunted Hills of Wentworth. So I see. You know, I pat myself on the back at least for being a little bit progressive on yeah, on that exactly. side of things. <laughs> if you could, if you let's imagine you could take one of those characters or games and spend loads of time on it and make it its own kind of standalone game for the NES, let's say, which game would you have loved to have put proper time into, like from those characters or ideas? Well, to keep with the the whole Mario Brothers, uh, the Super Mario and that kind of genre, I would probably go with the Bubblegum Rosie. Yeah. Um, the, the, the Cheetah Men, of course, are, are completely a, a world on its own. You know what I'm saying? The Cheetah, the Cheetah Men it falls into that whole... Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and and all these other games with the Battletoads, you know, these kind of groups. Uh, so it, it can do a great standalone. And there's been a lot of talk from, from fans and things about why maybe a Cheetah Man should not be maybe a Kickstarter to do an actual new game. But I believe there is somebody else that holds the copyright on the Cheetah Man. And I don't know. I'm, I'm not, like I said, I've never been too much into the business side of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I don't know. Greg Pavich probably knows more. Than anything else about who holds the copyrights on what and how that's, but uh, but you know like I said, staying with the with the genre of the Mario Brothers and that cartoony, more kid friendly kind of thing, I think Bubblegum Rosie would have probably been the, the one to develop to a full kind of uh, whole universe kind of thing. Good on you, um, and obviously it reminds me when I played the game a bit like the Great Guiana Sisters, which is actually yeah Mario Brothers exactly. anyway. Let's be honest, no, it's a good, exactly. it's a good game that. Um, Again, it's a little bit of a personal question, but is it true that Bubblegum Rosie was named after your girlfriend at the time? And um, is it actually true you kind of left Action 52 because of a girl? Again, these are just rumours I've heard. You, feel free to say. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's why I wasn't there to, at, the, at the end of the project. Because, um, yeah, I met her right around the same time that the whole uh, Action 52 adventure started. You know, the whole that was right around the same time. So I was, you know, basically... in developing a relationship with her and then I started spending so much time on Action 52 so that those two things were conflicting so I uh, now I did my best because you know I like to be responsible I, I don't I, I didn't just walk away I didn't just abandon this I created a template for uh, the games for the developers the other developers uh, uh, these guys so it would be much easier to, to meet that deadline in other sure. words it was like uh, let's say so that the graphics were done in a certain schematic and and so forth so that we could just you know pump this almost like a factory you know factory style just get these you know things out as quickly as possible so i designed a couple of 
of features like that so that these guys could, it would be a lot easier for them to uh, to work. Oh, that was another thing was that I didn't really need to be at the studio because at that once we started getting into it, the main thing I was doing was the music. Yeah. So I could do that from home. I was I had my I had all my equipment at home. I had my sequencer, my keyboards, everything. So I was I could do this from home. I didn't have to be in the studio with them. So towards the end, I was spending less time there and more time, you know, uh, with Rosie and at the house working on the music on my own. But the problem is that the the optics of this to Vince, uh, he didn't like it. He he you know he he would come by all the time. Maybe he didn't see me there because often as he saw the other guys there. Right. Yeah. So eventually he confronted me and we got into a little, you know, a little match there of uh, had said a few words and I thought at that time it was best that you know I I might I might as well not not go back you know let's let me just walk away at this time because you know. Sure. Uh, so yeah. So again, that's why I wasn't there to really help these guys out with the final, the testing or the, the tweaks that should have been made to yeah. address a lot of the problems that there were. And another thing that came out of it, which wasn't good either, was that I never finished like all of the all of the music. So they, I don't know who or how they, if it was Vince or who, but they started, they got just some, I guess some MIDI files from some other games or something and just threw it in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I was like, you know, they did, that wasn't me. <laughs> <You know? laughs> <laughs> I think that was their last resource. Like, okay, what are we gonna do now with these last games that don't have any music? And they just, I guess, in a panic, uh, threw in some some copyrighted stuff that had nothing to do with you know. So, yeah, that that's crazy. That was crazy, wasn't it? Yeah. Can I ask a slightly personal question? But was that the last time you spoke to Vince when you had that kind of argument, or, or did you see? Yeah, him? So, yeah, that was it. That was it. You didn't build uh, bridges afterwards. You didn't. No. Right. No, that was that was the last time we spoke, and uh, I know the guys continued to work with him. I think there was more contact with the uh, the other guys, because again, after that they also wanted to go into some of the other systems. They, I mean, yes, he just, he just yeah. yeah, he wanted to do Sega, he wanted to do uh, Super NES. He, uh, one thing that I, I don't think I've mentioned before, and and other times that I've spoken, uh, one of the things that really also caused the the failure of this cartridge. It was the timing, believe it or not, this was going to be released at the same time as we were at the end of the NES generation yeah. and the beginning of the Super NES. So this was the same Christmas that uh, Super NES was about to come out. And you were bringing out a cartridge for the NES that was $200. Yeah. So <laughs> that right there is like, wait, do I buy a Super NES or do I get this cartridge that has... Two, you know, 52 games for the old system. So that timing, that was one of the things that go back goes back to Vince's experience in video game industry, because somebody else may have seen that and maybe just developed ahead. We should have gone, maybe developed it for the SNES, and maybe had a, a little bit more success if it would have been already for the next gen systems and not for an older gen system that was already fading out. Yeah, it, two hundred dollars as well, especially back then, was uh, a mm -hmm. lot of money. You could maybe buy almost a Super NES for that money. Well, that's what it was. Yeah, it was yeah. a console. It was a console cost. So it's it's incredible. I mean, look, there's still fifty two games on it. You know, let's be honest, it, it, there is value for money in that sense. But still, still, it's a, yeah, the mind boggles a little bit with some of the business decisions. I'm not trying to be rude to Vince. Um, again, slightly personal. I don't mean to. Would you have liked to have? You know, built bridges again with Vince. Would you have liked to shook his hand and finish on a, on a on a good terms, or 
Uh, do you not really have any views on that personally? I don't really have any views. I mean, um, remember Vince wasn't about uh, the video game industry. Vince was about just creating some, making some money, making some business, making some money. That's not what, you know, we didn't have any, any uh, shared interest there. Sure. He just he just had that moment where he wanted to do something in the video game industry, which that's why I got involved. And that would have been it. Um, I wasn't interested in developing toys or any of these other endeavors that he was going to get into. So I think for the brief time that that we you know had together in terms of this this endeavor, I think that that was good, good enough for me. And uh, I don't think we would have been compatible. Sure in any future type of endeavors or anything like that. So I really don't, I think it's fine that we, you know, the time that, that we were together, that, you know, we worked, that was, that, that was enough for me in terms of our relationship. No, I, I appreciate your answer. Um, Cheetah Men 2, was, were you ever involved in that? Or was that an unreleased game, obviously, I believe? Um, was that, were you involved in that particular title? Or you, did you hear about any of that work when you were no, there? No, I don't know. I mean, Besides the point, of course, they, they continued to use the music that I created for the Cheetah Man, but that was it. And uh, and I don't I don't even know if that would have been. I guess it's legal. Once you once you do a work for hire, uh, once I create a song for a company and they and I get paid for it, that's it. I guess they can do whatever they want with that music from that point on. Yeah. So they could, you know. But basically, that was my only role in the Cheetah Man too. Whatever they were doing after after the release of Action Fifty Two, I was never a, a privy of what, what was happening. And you weren't involved, were you, Mary, of the Mega Drive Genesis version of Action 15? No. You but did you, have you played that since? Have you had a look at the Mega Drive version or have, what's your personal yeah. opinions? Yeah, I got it. I got into, a while back, I got into uh, emulators and uh, and I wanted to check out all those uh, versions of the game. So I tried my best to find them and try them out and play them. Uh, you know, but it was on an emulator, but still, I think that's as close as you're going to get to to experiencing some of these these older titles yeah they're particularly rare aren't they i mean i was going to ask you you don't own you said any of the action 52 carts yourself you don't own any of the memorabilia no. is that fair so that's yeah sad, only it? only the uh only the uh the one that greg pabich um he decided to there was an unfinished i think it was called the lost levels and i had a, a part in helping him out with that so you know he, I was able to get a couple of those as as uh, souvenirs from from that endeavor. Right. Yeah. Um, but besides that, any of the actual original stuff, I never, I was, you know, I never had any in, in my possession. Um, yeah, I wish I would have had one, not for monetary reason, but just for just yeah, for owning a piece of history. Owning a piece of history. Well, you're one of the main people involved in that. You personally, you deserve to have at least a cartridge because it's you, you're part of that amazing story. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I mean, say that I deserve to have it, but I, if I didn't, if I didn't get my hands on one, it's too bad. It's too late. You know, it's like yeah. that's how that's how it, that's how it works. How, how did it sell? Did it sell terribly then when it was released? You know that for a fact. Yeah, yeah I mean, looking back at history, you know, reading things about it, I think it. Yeah, it was. That's when it first started getting out that it was there were such bad games that it was going to flunk. I think they even he ended up getting uh getting it sold on the. Uh, on the shopping network or something like oh, that. Wow! And that was like his last attempt, I guess, to get rid of them as you know as many as possible. How many carts were made? Do you know? I don't suppose you know that. No, do you? I don't know about numbers of production or anything like that. Yeah. 
what was your review when it was released? Were you? I mean, I hate. I don't want to say you were ashamed of the game because obviously you did a lot of great work in a short space of time. But what was your initial reaction? Were you a little? How were you feeling when it got some negative press initially? Well, like I said, I wasn't even aware of it. Um, it didn't get much um, adver- advertising, so it's not like I would have run across across it on a on a on a news or on the TV at the time. I remember, there's no internet at that time, so you know, I just almost completely forgot about its its existence. <laughs> yeah, entirely. I didn't know. Yeah. I didn't even know this this whole uh, culture was brewing all these years. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, so like I said, until I put that video up on YouTube, I had no, no, no idea what had happened with that. That was like this forgotten piece of my past that I hadn't even looked into at all. So, surprised. Yeah, are you proud or are you even still astounded that people talk about the game with such interest? Um, and it's got an amazing cult following now, isn't it? What, what do you think about that? Are you proud of that? You, you know, it must be amazing. Yeah, I mean, I'm just, I'm happy to be part even if it's the infamous side, but just to be part of video game history at all is something I thought I thought it would never that would never happen. So I'm very proud of that and proud of the, what I created in terms of story, in terms of the characters, um, the music, especially. But you know, anytime that that your your creation, your creativity is is shared and uh, viewed, you know, across the world, I mean, that's what more can I ask for? You know, yeah, I love it, and all the comments I get, you know, that's great, and all the, all the, just, I mean, people see it nowadays as something to, to really criticize and, and yeah, but there's never hate there. It's all yeah. in fun, it's all in incredible fun, and you know, what can I say? That's that, that's great to see. You know? And you can admit that, can't you, uh, Mary? It's not, <laughs> it was never going to be the best game ever made. No. But... And it doesn't offend you when people you know, no, no. have a joke about it. No, exactly, exactly. It doesn't um, me at all. I was going to ask, actually, I think you answered already in the text interview, but if you could go back in time, and let's imagine you could have like a whole year on the game and make it really polished, would you Would you like to do it? If you could, in a weird way, do you think it's quite good how it finished, in a way, how, it did, how it's got this amazing cult following now? To what get here, you? exactly, to get here to this point, then I wouldn't, I wouldn't touch it, you know. This is how, this is how history played out. Uh, now, just on a, on a different side, if I wanted, if I had the uh, what I know now, back then, then I would have approached that project in a whole different way. You know, right now, if you look at uh, a lot of the games on Steam and on on all these platforms, there's a lot of, uh, of what do you call that? Where it just it just generates levels uh, randomly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, you know that kind of programming. If we could have done that, if I would have told Albert, look, just then you would have had like limitless, limitless levels, and uh, you could have focused more on on maybe just the actual tweaking of the, of the game mechanics. But you wouldn't have to spend so much time in terms of level design and and content. You know why? Because yeah. if you just create one of these small games that just gives you random and just changes certain things at the time, it would have been much better. You know, so that's one thing I didn't know at the time that I don't even think there were many games like that at the time. Um, that were randomly generated, but that that's a great piece of, of knowledge to know now. If I could go back, and you would have had a, you know, it would have been a lot better in terms of uh, content at least. Because right now, I think it, uh, most of the games only ended up getting about three or four levels each. That yeah. was it. Yeah. There was there was, and that was just a time constraint. 
have you completed every game on it? If I if I can ask you. Well, I've tried every. I played as much as I could on it. Uh, Ooze was another one that was uh, very famous with uh, trying to complete it. I think that he Vince tried to put a a, a competition in it. Yeah, that's with right. Prizes yeah. or something. He wanted to give away some scholarships and wanted to give away some money if he got to a certain level in Ooze. <laughs> um, so I mean, I, and plus, I think you could never do it. I think there was a glitch in the cartridges and it never allowed you to get past like level three or something. So. Yeah, but I've tried. I've tried uh, most of the games and, uh, and uh, you know, see see how crazy it was. But it was good. Yeah, and uh, again, just back to Vince for a minute. Obviously, some people think he was just in it for the money completely, didn't really care too much about the quality of the games. And he does sometimes get a bit of a negative name. Do you feel that is a bit unfair on Vince? How would you like to finish on your views? Yeah, on because, no, Vince's, uh, Vince's original idea was noble he knew he was really excited about creating something he believed in this product yeah. of creating 52 original games and he thought it could actually be a successful product to make so you know a lot of people like talk about it as if this was just a scam to begin with but that's yeah. not that's not the case the case was he really wanted to create something uh that he thought would sell and, and he believed in it you know it wasn't towards the end maybe until the maybe the first negative reviews and so forth or and that started coming out that then he had to start thinking, okay, well, how do you know? Because at that point you're in and you yeah. have to take certain decisions to try to sell, uh, you know, try to survive, you know, get as much back as possible from the from the endeavor. Once you know it, the ship's sinking. <laughs> so those kind of decisions, I'm sure anybody would make the same kind of decisions, you know? So yeah. his initial thing was this wasn't, he didn't set out to scam or to create a, a scam product. That was not his initial uh, yeah. idea. He wanted really to make something. He believed that he could actually make something that would sell based on on the uh, experience with his son and the and the pirated cartridges. So, uh, you know, that's yeah. All that that any rumors out there about that is completely false because you know I was there, I lived it, and uh, I could see the, I could see the uh, excitement yeah. in his face every time you know we showed him a new idea for a game, the concepts and all the stuff. He was just so into it. I mean, he was a, he was acting like his kid. So yeah. he was so excited about video games, you know, at that, for, for that, because he thought, wow, this is going to be great. So it, everything was, he had a noble intent on what he wanted to do. And it just didn't go that way. And it just, you know, burnt, it crashed and burned. Uh, he must so, have been quite disappointed at the end, I assume. We don't know, obviously. Yeah, like I said, I wish out before I even saw that part of it. So I don't know, maybe I'm happy I didn't see that because that would, that would have been uh, devastating to be part of, yeah, of during course. that time. Yeah. Do you know, actually, it's a, I don't suppose you know this, but do you know if his son ever played Action 52 and his opinions on the game? Uh, you, well, I'm sure, he, I'm sure he would take home the prototypes for his son to play. Yeah. But I wouldn't know, I wouldn't no. know what, what his opinions were. Never had any contact with him. Besides, when he was small there at the studio, he would come by. He would bring them there. Oh, okay. Brilliant, yeah. Yeah, he'd see us developing the games and everything. So, um, But I'm sure he would take the prototypes you know, and let him play it. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know if you ever got feedback from his son on it or not. Interesting. Um, last question. I don't. Again, I don't suppose you know anything about this, Mario. But the, I know that Vince. There's rumours that Vince was actually trying to work on a new games console, and the rumours are it could be a multi-cart console. It could play SNES, NES, Mega Drive. I mean, there's, there's pictures out there. It's all a bit rumourish. We don't know totally. But have you heard about these rumours yourself? And do you think there's any truth in that? I yeah, think? I see some of the images and everything. So I do think he was, you know. 
he was thinking about it. And I think that's, like I said, I, I just talked a little bit a while ago about how he lost focus on the Action 52 cartridge. He started just going into wild into all these ideas in terms of with the Cheetah Man and then and then in terms of the, the console itself, creating his own console. Um, and then he used the uh, the Action Game Master was going to be the name of this handheld. Wow. And it was supposed to uh, play any cartridge from any system. I mean, that's how that's how crazy the uh, <laughs> the idea was. And he did a prototype, a drawing, at least a three D rendering of what it was going to look like and everything. Amazing. So yeah, I think at that point, that's what I was saying. His, his scope just completely went off, and, and instead of just maintaining on that Action Fifty Two cartridge yeah. and everything he could do there, he just thought he was going to just go into all types of fields and it, expand this thing incredibly. It's amazing. It is amazing. It's an interesting character, and obviously you work closely with him. Um, there's a really interesting blog. I'm sure you've seen it, and it's it's written by the mysterious and uncredited fourth developer of Action 52. I think the person that came in maybe just after you. Um, I don't expect you to name this person. I don't want you know that's not fair. But do you personally know who this person is, and uh, have you read the blog, and what do you think about this particular developer and his role in Action 52? Oh, yeah, we were friends. We were okay. friends from a long time ago. So yeah. it was like um, maybe halfway into the project that uh, he was asking about it and said, hey, can, you know, you guys need me for anything? And I was like, yeah, we could use you because, you know, at that point, in terms of level design and art, which was basically what he, he was good at was art and level design. So we say, why don't you come by and just start, you know. I think in the end, after I left, Vince finally maybe uh, – give him his own contract at the end because he was constantly there working with us. Right, yeah. Um, but yeah, I knew him and uh, he did, we did overlap. It wasn't like he came in after I left. Right, okay. We did overlap, uh, you know, he, he came in and um, I don't know what else you want to know about him. I mean, he just, I guess he's just trying to, but his blog is, is correct. Everything he describes, it was, I, don't, I didn't see anything um, untrue in, in what he was writing. So, and plus he gives a, another perspective on, on, after I left. Yeah, of course, yeah. There was something in there, a lot of story that he was writing about what happened when the final day, the shutdown of, you know, uh, and how they dis they uh, celebrated on some beach party or something. So that, that it's good to see that after I left, he can kind of continues the story mm. on what happened. So a lot of those questions you're asking about uh, Vince and so forth and uh, what happened when this thing was crashing and burning, he probably would have a much better yeah, idea. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how much of that he includes in his blog, but uh, yeah. yeah. I'll try and add it to the show notes if I can find it again, but it was very interesting when I read it a few years ago. Oh, yeah. um, are you still friends with the, the developers in Action 52? Do you still meet up or have you kind of just parted ways? No, besides uh, besides just friendships on Facebook and so forth, that's about it. Uh, yeah. Uh, nothing, nothing constantly and, you know, no routine conversations or anything like that. So we've all kind of moved away into our own lives, sort of. Fair enough, because I, I honestly do think that the the story that you're telling now could be a film, it could be a TV series, it could be you know it could be anything really. But I, I think last time we spoke, there was going to be a proper documentary, or there was one in the works. Is has that kind of is that kind of petered out, or what's what's the latest? Yeah, it seems that way because I haven't I haven't heard much from uh, from Greg Pavage. But you know, yeah. that was another thing that. He said, hey, you guys want to do this? And uh, said, you know, 
yeah, we'll, we'll go ahead and do it. We never had a problem, you know, talking about uh, our adventures uh, in this historical, you know, our Action 52 development. Yeah. So we got together and we did we did do some interviews uh, individually. And uh, and that's pretty much where it petered out. I mean, he did a successful, I would say successful Kickstarter for that uh, Cheetah Men, the Lost Levels. Yes, yes. That was pretty good. So I was hoping he would continue that. And uh, But I think he's been trying to get the copyright. I think he he's a, he's a big fan of the Cheetah Men. Uh, he doesn't show too much love for the actual Action 52 cartridge and all that, but the Cheetah Men itself, he is a big fan of. And I think he's been wanting to take it onwards and to have another, you know, more chapters into the yeah. Cheetah Men saga. So behind the scenes, I think he's been trying to do that, but I I don't know if he's been able to succeed. So or, or if he's already just gotten off of it altogether. Maybe I'll try and contact him if he's up for an interview as well. It'd be quite interesting, wouldn't it? Um, so after Action 52, did you continue in the video game industry, Mario? Were you working in any other projects or did you go into music completely after that? Yeah, after that, I went completely into uh, uh, music and video production. And and that that's pretty much it. Now, um, remember, I'm not, I've never been a strong point in programming. Uh, more to design and and stuff like that. So when I started getting my hands on a couple of these game engines that were starting to develop, like uh, Unity, and uh, there was one called uh, Game Maker. Yes. I said, wow, this uh, these allow me a little bit to maybe iterate my ideas faster because it's a lot of drag and drop instead of coding. So I did get back into uh, trying to design and and develop a few more games. Uh, I did a. I have like two in the uh, in the Google App Store and the Play Store. Oh, nice. That I that I you know said let me give it a shot. Uh, but of course you know it's it's a sea of of games. Uh, yeah. So that's what I what I learned there is that unless you put some financing behind uh, you know some some type of advertising or and nobody really knows your game exists you know so it's just even whether it's good or not it's just going to kind of float out there and. and uh, hope to be discovered kind of do you want to plug them now because people might listen marin and give them a go do you want, do you want to tell them the title well or? yeah the one i spent a year on was called uh it's called hyper dark hyper dark yep yeah and that's on the uh the google play store um it's i don't know i don't know how to describe it it's a little adventure little uh 2d um space exploration kind of game um you know and, and again it, it it's a little difficult for me because i'm a one-man show it's i don't have I don't have anybody to program. I don't have uh, uh, anybody to do graphics. So basically, I have to try to get uh, buy graphic assets and do all this, you know, as much as I can on my own time. It took me about a year to make. So it's nothing. I, I always, you know, I'm not in it for the money. Basically, the uh, the game design and stuff like that. It's something I enjoy. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure I'm going to be doing it uh, for the rest of my life. You know, uh, whether it's successful or not it just continues to be a hobby for me it's something i love and I, i'll continue to do it you know yeah. and uh, that's pretty much it good stuff um are you a gamer yourself do you play a lot of video games in your spare time yeah yeah uh, between pc games and uh xbox um i'm mostly i'm not into the to the first person in the the very hectic gaming you know right now i'd spend most of my time playing no man's sky which is a great game a lot of uh, a lot of updates. I'm into the RPG. A lot of the old CRPGs are great, and they're coming back now. So I've been putting a lot of time into a game called Pathfinder Kingmaker. 
And they're coming out with another one called uh, Wrath of the Righteous. And so these uh, these uh, isometric kind of turn-based nice, uh, yeah. RPGs are great, you know, in terms of uh, story. And it's not it's something you can do. It's almost like playing a game of chess because it's turn-based. You can it's 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 very relaxing to just slow down and think and be more strategic than running gun and like you know not like Halo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you no, know, I'm, I'm less about the the running gun and more about the you know strategy and and that kind of gameplay. But yeah, I'm still very active. I still put in hundreds of hours a week on uh, Good on, on playing you. games. That's what I like to hear. Um, yeah, when was the last time you played Action Fifty Two? Was that a while ago now? Then oh yeah, that's a while. Ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, fi- final question, Action Fifty. I meant to ask earlier. If you could, if it was made into a film, have you got an actor in mind who you would like to play yourself? And and who? Which actor would you think would be good at playing Vince? <laughs> I wouldn't know. That's a good one. But uh, no, I really don't have an actor in mind for that. But I would say it would be a good movie if they were to dramatize. You know, a lot of the. Uh, a lot of the elements of it, yeah, you could put something together, and oh, and yeah. just having the whole red. There's a lot of there's a lot of popularity now with retro movies. So yes. Going back and doing something in the '90s and back when this when this took place, it's very popular too. So, yeah, I think it definitely would be somebody could do it, and it would be good, you know. But would it happen? I don't know. That would ever come to pass. It'd be lovely. I'd love to see the story on big on the big screen. Mary, <laughs> I'll be honest. <laughs> Look, I've had a great chat. It's been so fun. Um, I've got, you know, just one final question, then we'll say goodbye. Then, if 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 our patron listens to listen, they might have a quick little treat later on as well for a quick fire of questions. Sure. But for for our main interview, I've had a great time and it's been so fun. Um, we've asked this before in the text interview, but you can change your answer. You keep the same, Mario. But if you could share a few drinks of any video, any video game character, who would you choose and why? Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, my answer was uh, was Link. It was Link, and I'm, I'm a yeah. huge Zelda fan. It yeah, doesn't speak I'm, much. <laughs> I just think that that's what that's what really shot me into uh, into video game, you know, into the love of it, you know, just the design of that and that character and how he developed over the years too. So yeah, I would change that that answer. I think it would be Link. I'll join you. I'll join you if that's right, because I'm, I, Zelda's my favourite game series, actually. And um, for me personally, it was Ocarina of Time. That's the one that really got me involved in the the Hyrule. But was it the first Zelda for you on the NES? Or was that your first taste of the of, of Zelda? No, no, it was the original. Was oh, okay. The original Zelda on the NES. It was NES, in, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't think that was Ocarina of Time. Oregon. No, no, Ocarina of Time was N64. Yeah, was, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's way ahead. But yeah, it was the original on the NES. I mean, there were little things with that game that were just amazing. Uh, just these details, like you know, burning some bushes and finding a a, a stairway underneath it, yeah. emptying emptying out a lake, and there's a there's another st- there's an entrance to somewhere underneath the lake. I mean, these kind of things in in such a a simple two D you know development. So. It was just amazing. That that's that that just blows away your you know the imagination and, and it just kind of launched me into wanting to make these these kind of games. You know, that's so great. It. Breath of the Wild. Are you a fan yourself personally? Have you played that one? I haven't played it. You know, I, and and I've gotten a lot of people telling me to play, but eventually, you know, I'm gonna have to give in and get myself a Switch and, <laughs> and start yeah. getting into it because you know it yeah. is one of my favorite characters. So I'm gonna have to go back to it. You know. I highly recommend it. If you're if you're a Zelda fan, I highly recommend it. Oh, yeah. Mario, you have been a real gentleman again uh, today, and, and um, 
I really enjoyed our chat. So thank you so much. And our listeners are going to love it. So thank you so much for your time. You got it, sir. It's a pleasure, Adrian. Uh, you have a great uh, podcast, great channel. I've, I've enjoyed the coverage of Action 52 and anything uh, I'd be willing, you know, anything else you need. Uh, I love telling the story of it. So You're a gentleman. And you're on Twitter, actually, before I forget. You are on Twitter if people want to follow you. Is that right? I think you're – is it – What's your Twitter handle, Top of I Your Head? I think it's at Mario uh, Action 52. Yeah, I think that. Yeah, I think I saw it earlier. At yeah, Mario. And also, uh, I have a uh, SoundCloud page. I mean, I, yeah. I post uh, my music, and you can hear some of my. And I also have a YouTube channel uh, called Zentanith, uh, Z E N T A N I T H. And, you know, I welcome everybody to go see what I've been working on lately in terms of uh, music and, uh, and uh, some of the hyper dark trailers are on my YouTube channel so you can see at least a glimpse of what the game looks like. I'll put, what I do, Maris, I put them on the show notes below okay. so when people ask the interview, they can click on it. But, but yeah, actually, before we say goodbye, your music, what what sort of music do you play? How What's your influences? How would you sort of compare your sound? You don't want me to ask. Well, I mean, I do, I've always been, you know, I started off making the video game music, but before that we had the Miami dance. Yeah. So whenever I actually try to do actual music music it comes more like it has a very retro feel because i don't know why but that's how i i write but a lot of stuff i've been trying to write stuff for music for for video games and for movies so i've been trying to do a lot of scoring and stuff like that some of my music what i'll do is i'll do some covers just to see i'll hear something i like like for instance like the theme to the mandalorian or something and i'll say man i want to see if, how close i can come to actually doing that on my own nice. so i'll go ahead and do some covers and i'll post some covers as well just to kind of, it's almost like, you know, to just to see, uh, you know, with, with the electronics, instead of having a whole orchestra, how, how, how close can I come to getting that sound? So I, I do like little challenges like that. So half you'll see original works and the other half you'll see on my channel, I'll, I'll have uh, covers of, of different songs that I really enjoy. Love it. That's I'm cool. going to, I'm going to check it out. Definitely, Marin. That's lovely. Brilliant. Thank you so much again. You got it, sir. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We really hope you enjoyed it. You can tweet us at Arcade Attack UK. We're also on Facebook at facebook.com slash Arcade Attack UK. Check out our website at arcadeattack.co.uk for lots more retro gaming goodness and to delve into our archives. Our podcasts are also available on Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, YouTube and Apple Podcasts. Please leave us a review and a rating. We'd really appreciate it. If you'd like to support Arcade Attack, please check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash arcadeattack, which will give you access to exclusive podcasts, interviews, and other bonus content. So, until next time, take care, and we'll speak to you soon.